we're in it. I we're don't, at capacity. We're at capacity. Honestly, we're at capacity. Ow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Banged my knee so hard. Oh, no. So you guys, Carrie's a thoroughly Moderna woman. I'm a thoroughly Moderna girly. And uh, Carrie might be taking me to get Michelle Pfizer today. Or Pfizer on the roof. I'm I'm workshopping names. Here's the thing. I want to be very clear. Uh-huh. I'm workshopping names. One is Thoroughly Moderna Millie, based on the musical theater show Thoroughly Modern, Thoroughly Modern Millie. I couldn't even <laughs> thoroughly say. Thoroughly Moderna. And then I was trying to talk to my, and then I said Michelle Pfizer. Right. That's like a very one to one. And then my friend said they can't be two different genres. So then I adjust it to thoroughly Moderna, Millie or Girly and Pfizer on the roof, like Fiddler on the roof. Pfizer on the roof. OK. So then we could do Michelle Pfizer. And then my friend was workshopping the names like Julianne Moderna or Moderna, like more or um, um, Chloe Grace Moderna. There's there's not a name, but my favorite one was he said, and just like a virgin, Moderna. <laughs> Like I, you have that one requires a setup, but I like that it's a Moderna, Madonna, <laughs> like good. a virgin by Moderna. <laughs> That's really by Moderna. It's good. It's good. So I think we can land on I Michelle Pfizer and the, like a virgin Moderna. I haven't had any J and J friends yet, but we gotta come up with something there. J and J. Well, it was when I was doing this bit with my friend who listens to the podcast. And um, he had said, Connor, I'll give you a shout out. I was like, Connor Johnson and Johnson, because the last name is Johnston. <laughs> so we worked oh, well with him. That's not going to be for everyone. No, so. he did ask if we do guest appearances on the podcast. And I politely said, maybe one day. <laughs> Wait, a good blow off. Good blow off. Now maybe he knows. He's it. listening to this and he knows the <laughs> truth. No, he's already lost interest. He's moved on. My friend Jim Ford offered to be... Um, a geography expert on the show because I think he thinks we're lacking in that department. Um, yeah, I for the record, I said Bondi when it's clearly Bondi and <laughs> Australia. My dad was here the other day and asked for an atlas, and I gave him um a a world puzzle <laughs> that is one of Koa's like thirty six piece world puzzles, and I was like, "Well, you're gonna have to build it first, but. <laughs> I thought your dad was about to read you where you were. He was like, can I have an atlas? And then you gave it to me. He goes, okay, so you do have one and give it back to us. Because apparently our geography is lacking. I wasn't sure if... To our pod listeners, are you upset that we don't know about geography? Is that... And also... We do a paranormal... We don't care. (laughs) Don't care, but we'd love your feedback. But also, we'll erase your feedback. Yeah. If it's a review, And then we'll erase this friendship. So be careful. You know, it's fun. Tread it's, lightly. I don't erase any relationship in my life, and that's actually a lingering problem in my life. You're right. Carrie, you, you guys are with Carrie forever. I got to tell you, you, you do one thing you. for me. I'm like, what can I, how can I help you? Like, I, it's a, I'm just, it's amazing that I haven't gotten scammed by a prince or princess who's stuck in another country and who needs me to buy a Google Play gift card for them. Is now the wrong time to tell you I am a princess? And I've been scamming you this whole time into thinking I'm not. (laughs) Oh, I love that story. (laughs) The hidden princess. Here's the thing. They found that guy. We should put context. What's happening in the news right now is that that poor old woman, old woman, she's like 10 years my senior. (laughs) Anyway, she's like 65 years old and this guy beat the shit out of her on the street. And then the fucking guy running the building, the security guard or whatever, closes the door. It's a terrible video. It's, It's honestly everything that could go wrong, did go wrong. And it's it's obviously a series of the violence against Asian folks, Asian American folks. This man just comes and attacks this woman who, by the way, what I read was she was walking to church. Oh my God. And so aggressively. And like attacks her. And there are big fucking security guys inside the fucking building they don't do who anything. see it and don't do anything. And and who are these people? Who that are call these fucking monsters? People? And then and then they have the audacity after the guy leaves, they close the 
door. They don't go outside to check on her. I think I would love to be the person to put my body in between this man and this woman. Mm -hmm. But this man, his rage felt like... So, Carrie, they just found out that he, in 2002, stabbed his mother to death. That's the kind of person that does this, though. Ugh. Anyway. Ugh, it's like so nauseating and again it's hard it's like ugh. and then of course right now we're following the um derek chauvin trial gaslighting oh and it's i mean peak. they're just like turning it on everyone but the person that did the crime there was a great um I... they're like let's figure out why it's anyone else's problem or fault and it's like no yeah it's really really clear we have it on video you know, we always talk about how, like, it always feels like we're on the um, horizon. There is change to come. It always feels like we're right there in that right. moment where we're like, well, this is so obscene. This is so awful. Right. Surely, surely now surely something will change. Yeah. Um, last night on PBS, I watched the incredible documentary that premiered The Blinding of Isaac Woodard. Um for you guys that don't know this story, it's about um, in 1946, um, Isaac Woodard is um, a black army sergeant and he is he's just served and he's on his way home to, uh, I think, Charleston. And he asks he's on a bus with a bunch of other he's in uniform on a bus mm-hmm. Um, with a bunch of other men that also served. And he asks if they can pull over for him to use the bathroom. And the driver's like, no. And, like, calls him some names. And they get into an altercation, basically. But all Isaac Woodard does is say, like, you don't have to talk to me with disrespect, basically. The bus driver and him get into a fight. They pull over. The police come. And a police chief beats... Isaac leaving him blind in both eyes like and he takes the baton and like hits him really deliberately in the eyes and pushes in and he has to spend the night in jail pay a fine to leave and he's blind forever but the documentary is about how this instance would this injustice was so overwhelming that it would actually change the course of American history in a lot of ways. Wow. Um, it really affected Truman. It really affected everything. Voting rights, civil rights. Um, wow. It, like, it sent all these... Civil a rights lot actions of powerful in white men had to look at this. Right. And had to look at it, excuse the pun, but directly in the eye. Yeah. They had to. And... It was so overwhelming to them that a man in uniform that had just served our country would be treated this way. That it was like people that were refusing to see inequality suddenly had to confront it. And by them having to confront it, there was change affected. And it's so strange to watch this film. It's a wonderful film. What was strange about it is that on the one hand, you feel really hopeful watching the changes be affected. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you feel really hopeless because you're watching things like uh, police voters, brutality and police voter brutality, suppression. Voter suppression um, and it's so wild because you're like, and yet here we are and it's the same shit. Yeah. And by the way, the movie was written, produced and directed by Jamila Efron. Oh, huge fan. Huge fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, you know, the wheels oh, of justice turned. Oh, by the way, the cop in this case got off. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He was acquitted. That doesn't surprise me and, at all. And Isaac Woodard, after he spent some time alone crying, and he went out and talked to the press, they were like, are you angry? Are you angry? And he's like, I just feel bad. I just feel bad. And you're like, me too. Wow. You don't need bigger words than that. It's just, like, it was so devastating. Anyway, I really recommend it. You can watch it on PBS. And, yes, this is... (laughs) Truly. Darkly. Creeply. That's Carrie Ippema. And that's Quinlan Posner. And we have two new Patreon subscribers (gasps) to thank. We do. 
Oh, what kind of no- noise That's is that? That's one of those fog horns that are in songs. Have you not heard those? I, I might have. Do they really sound like that? Yeah, they do. Okay, I stand right, by that. I've never ever heard one in my life if that's what they sound like. Yeah, I, I stand by that sound effect. Um, I want to thank Rachel. Rachel, thank you so much. I try to say it in like an Oprah-ish way. You're getting a guard. Yeah. You're a Patreon well, like, subscriber. I want to thank Emma. Emma. Or maybe it's Price's right voice. It's like, come on down. You're the next Patreon subscriber on Truly Darkly Creepily. <laughs> <laughs> Move your microphone away, right? Oh God! Come, come, come on down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother. Where art thou? Why art thou so loud? Though is also the second question. Well, it's funny that Shakespeare also felt that way, and so he wrote that sonnet for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, who gets to go first today? It's me, Champer Damper. It's me. Do you know what that is in reference to? No. There is a, um, there's a old YouTube video called Cat Massage, and it's this woman who talks in, like, a very calm voice. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. the cat. And then at one point she says, she's talking to her cat, and she says, it's you, Champer Damper. It's you. That is my story. Your story's about that cat woman? My story is about this cat woman who turned out to be a serial killer. And <gasps> no way. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God, that would have been really good. You had me going. I was psyched. I've never seen Quinn more excited about a story. <laughs> Catwoman serial killer? Yes, please. Okay, um, okay, my turn. So I got this information from Wikipedia, The Wrap, Biography, USA Projects, Rolling Stone, Medium, Investigation ID, and the Netflix special, American Murder. I can't wait. This is the story of the Watts family murders. Chris Watts? Yes. Fucking hate Chris Watts. Yeah, as you fucking should. I fucking hate Chris Watts. What's amazing about the American Murder doc, American Murder, it's like a murder next door on Netflix, is it's all body cam from the crime scene and it's messages that her family shared and it's her own home videos, Shanann's videos. What makes this case so interesting and compelling is Shanann Watts is one of those people that works for an MLM. And so a lot of times with MLMs, they tell you to start videoing everything and telling everybody your life. And so she did just that. So there's videos on her Facebook of her with her kids, with her husband, Mm -hmm. like personal we all know what that looks like mm-hmm. of people being like i love my family i'm so blessed and look at these great cupcakes look, i made exactly i'm also selling these vitamins contact me dm me if you're interested in this Here's opportunity this tea i've been drinking you know um so shanann had been married before um got a divorce she said that that relationship her previous relationship took it out of her And one year she got a friend request from this guy, Chris Watts, and she accepted it. And she goes, oh, this is a cute guy. I'll probably never meet him in real life. Whatever. They finally meet in real life. They get married in 2012. His parents did not like her at all. In fact, they called her bossy, which obviously let's we could take apart the gendered issues of that word. But she does talk about, in her own words, that she wore the pants in the relationship. And she did if things didn't... Like, she was she was pretty... Well, you have to do that if your husband is a shitbag coward. Totally. That, then that does fall on you. That does fall on you. I also think, too, it's important that if you don't want that relationship, speak up. Mm-hmm. Say something. If you're bothered by your wife taking charge, say, hey... Can we change this behavior? Oh, hey, you know another option? Maybe, yeah, or divorce. Or divorce is divorce an option. Divorce is an option. an option. All of it's an option. There's you know tons what's of not options. an option? Murder. So they have two kids. They moved to Frederick, Colorado. She has this company she's working at from home. She's raising these two kids. He works um, for an oil company. Their kids are Bella, who's four, and Cece, who's three. June 11th, 2018, she finds out she's pregnant and she does the thing where 
Chris comes home and she videos him finding out that she's pregnant. She then goes to North Carolina to visit her parents for six weeks. And Chris is going to meet them there on the last week because he can't get off of work that much. But Mm -hmm. because she works from home, she has the freedom to do so. So she goes, she sees his parents for one day. There is a contentious fight between his parents and her. And again, this sounds like it's been years in the making considering they didn't go to her wedding. Don't they fucking feed her daughter something she's allergic to or something? So her daughter has a food allergy to nuts. And apparently in the house, she found out that there was ice cream with nuts in it. And I, it was unclear to me if the parents tried to feed it to her or it was just in the house. Big difference, I would argue. Big difference. But she, but she gets really upset and she's like, you got to make this right with your parents. They're fucking not respecting our kid. They're going to kill our kid. Yeah, I don't know if it's an issue of respect. It's like, um, please don't kill my baby. Yeah, Don't give my baby things that have nuts in it. Basically, I think she found, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but the way it was presented that I digested it in this game of telephone that we're playing, dear readers, is that she went in and she saw that her mom had bought ice cream with nuts in it. And then she came back and she saw that the nut ice cream had been served or maybe that like somebody was eating it nearby her daughter. I don't know if the parents actually fed the daughter any nut ice cream. Anyway, so they had a huge falling out where Chris was immediately apologetic and was like, I'll make it right. I'll handle it. While they're in North Carolina, Chris is not ever actively reaching out to her or the kids. Mm-hmm. She rough. reaches out and she says, this is totally one-sided. I'm always the one calling you. Why aren't you caring about the kids? And he texts her back. I miss you. I love you so much. All this stuff. So she's pissed. She's seeing that he's not being an active participant in this relationship. He comes in in the last week and she's texting her friend while he's there. And she talks about wanting to have sex with him and him not having sex with her Mm. and not touching her, how he only kissed her once in the airport. They're not having sex. She's like, this is insane that he's not wanting to have sex with me. It's been five weeks. How does he not want to have sex? She says maybe he's having an affair. She's texting her friend that. Her friend says, there's no way. They fly back to Colorado. One weekend, she's going on a business trip with her friend, Nicole. So Chris and the kids were together that weekend. During the weekend, she goes to Vegas, vents to her friend, notices on their credit card on a Saturday night that he spends like $60 out at a restaurant. And that raises a red flag for her. She's like, what's going on? And obviously, her bullshit antenna is fully up so she asks him about it asks him what he ate at the restaurant she does what i think any of us would do which is look up the restaurant how much it costs and she's like what is the other 30 dollars this should have cost you 30 bucks why is it a 60 dollar bill what's going on oh my god i love her totally right i mean i would do that for sure uh, i would not think to do that like quinn you would look at the bill and you would do all that well, if it was I love out looking of character, at restaurant menus, but I'm just saying, I would not. When if you were that suspicious, though, if you were suspicious that somebody who okay. didn't have sex with you for weeks, who was being super somebody distant, somebody not having sex with me for weeks, <laughs> never met him. Everyone be always having sex with me. <laughs> Everyone's always having sex with me. I can barely keep them away. <laughs> So she returns um, on August 13th, 2018. She is 14 weeks pregnant at this time. At 2 a.m., her friend Nicole drops her off at her house. She's supposed to have a doctor's appointment the next morning. The next morning, Nicole never got a text from her. She never heard from her. She didn't know what was going on. Nicole's her friend. Nicole's her friend that dropped her off at 2 a.m. the night before. Okay. She has no idea. She wasn't maybe feeling good. She has no... So Nicole starts sending her all these texts. Hey, I'm worried about you. Can you respond? I'm worried about you. Can respond? At 11.46 p.m., Nicole finally worries enough to go to her house, mm-hmm. to Shanann's house, and calls the police. Mm-hmm. The police show up. Chris shows up, right? He shakes the police hands. There's all body cams of this. The Shanann's parents are in North Carolina. They can't really do anything. They walk through the house. Chris notices and says out loud, the girl's blankets are gone. Her phone is at the house. And he even says, this is her lifeline. This is weird that this is here. And again, Chris is in the house with the police and the body cam is on. Touching everything. Catching everything. They turn it on. They see texts from Chris at noon going, hey, where are you? Text me back. Are you okay? 
Her medication is all at home. Her car is at home. Her wedding ring is at home. The car with the kids' car seats are home. Where the fuck is she? The neighbor across the street has a camera that points at their family direction. Oh, great. So they're able to look at it. They walk in with Chris, the police. They shake hands with the guy. The guy shows the video. I cannot believe they have video of all this. That's amazing. Well, it's not because it's not showing a lot of stuff. Chris is saying he left the house at... I'm saying video of them going to the neighbors and stuff. Oh, The body cam video. I'm saying, like, it's crazy... It's crazy that they have... To watch the aftermath of this instead of hear it secondhand. Oh, and you're seeing it. It's insane. Chris is, like, rubbing his forehead when they're playing the video. So you see at, like, 5 a.m., which is the time he says he left to go to work at at an oil field nearby. Mm Mm-hmm. You see the car go out and back in, and he said he needed to load some stuff in the car. It looked pretty unsuspicious. Honestly, if I were looking at it, I wouldn't have noticed him behaving a little bit more awkward because his family... Again, I have a hard time judging he someone's behavior. He seems stressed out because his family's missing. His family's missing. So they're looking at this video at the neighbor's property. Chris leaves after he's like, yeah, there was some break-ins and I blah, blah, blah. I just pulled back out and then I left at five in the morning. And it looks like that. No other activity is happening. Chris leaves. The police goes, oh, I'm just going to ask him some questions, get his name in detail. So the police can get Chris out of there and interview the neighbor. The neighbor goes, he's acting weird. Oh, shit. He's acting real fishy. He's, I've never, he's talking a lot or he's moving, he's fidgeting. I've never seen him like that. This is all on August 13th. She's reported missing at 1.40 p.m. that day, day Mm -hmm. one. The next day, August 14th, Chris goes and talks to the police, gives them more information. They bring a dog to the house. While they're in the house, the people comment, wow, this place is very clean. The media starts interviewing Chris. He says that they had an emotional conversation before she went missing. He says to the media, to a video camera, Shanann, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just come back. Like if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I need to see everybody. I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete without anybody here. Please bring them back. The police interview Chris at the police department and... They ask about the conversation he had with her before she left. He says that it was a really tough conversation. It was really emotional. She came back at 2 a.m. They had this hard conversation about their marriage, about possibly separating, about selling the house, that the spark wasn't there. He said there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of crying. They ask him if he was cheating on her. He says no. He lost a lot of weight and got very fit and very muscular. And they're like, you know, a lot of people who... Get fit, do it for somebody. Was that the case with you? He says, no. They go, will you take a polygraph? And he said, yeah, no problem. August 15th, he walks in to take the polygraph test. They film it. It's incredible, Quinn. I know we talk shit about polygraph tests. It's fucking What do you mean? Wild. It's incredible. It's incredible. This woman comes in who's administering the test. They, they like do the thing and she goes this is literally what she said she goes if you had anything to do with this then it would be really stupid for you to be here immediately i don't think the polygraph works at but all, it's a mind but fuck. it's a fucking mind fuck and she does it so well this woman comes in god i love women she comes in she's like totally in control she's so nice to him rubbing him on the back like yeah no totally you would not agree to do this if you were involved because that would be because that would be so insane and he kind of like laughs she sets him up and she starts asking him questions and she's like you know your breathing is all over the place i know you're nervous but can you calm down a little bit so she starts asking him all the questions you would ask What's your name? You know, did you harm her? Did you have anything to do with the disappearance? Were you having an affair? All this stuff. What he doesn't know is at the same time, right before this, this woman, Nicole Kissinger, reaches out directly to the police who saw information about Shanann and the kids on TV. And she knew of Shanann. She knew 
that Chris Watts was with this woman, but he told her they were in the midst of getting a divorce. Because he's having an affair with her. Because he started seeing her in June. Got it. When she sees that she's pregnant, that's when Nicole's like, what the fuck? You weren't going to leave your wife? You were going to have a baby with her? No. Now I'm mad. No, it's not even that. It's that it was a lie. Okay. She wasn't resentful. She was going, oh, this is a lie. He straight up lied to me about this. Something's not right. These two little girls and this woman is fucking missing. This something's not fucking clicking here. She suspects him. I don't know if she suspects him, but she's like, I'm fucking going to the police and I'm going to give them all the information that they want. She's going to do the right thing. She does the fucking right thing. So she says that she met him at work in June. He told her he was separating from his wife and they started to have a physical affair in July when Shanann and the kids were in North Carolina. That's when it started. And it was fucking serious. They were in love. when she's like, you're not... Reaching out to us or anything. Yeah. He was having an affair. He was having an affair. And that's that dinner that Saturday before. The $30 is Nicole's. $30 was Nicole's Cheap date, though. Do you know? Cheap. But Nicole was head over heels in love with this guy. Like, she had been Googling wedding dresses. thought they were going to be together. Thought they were going to be together. Oh, God. So, of course, during this polygraph test, ask him if he had an affair. He says No. Of course, right after she leaves, she goes, and you could tell the demeanor in her change where she's like, I'm going to go check the results. She knew immediately he was lying based on the polygraph tests. Mm -hmm. So she comes back, she brings the detective and she's like, I think, you know, why I brought him here because this reading was completely wrong. And I think, you know, that, and I think now's the time to tell me what's going on. So slowly she starts like trying to say it's about your daughters. You know, she really switches the conversation of like tries to tell him to do the right thing and like all this stuff. She just starts leading this conversation. It's really fucking fascinating. And she had this polygraph, which we know is a bridal shower game, but there's this energy where she used it as a tool of manipulation to get him to fucking bring down his defenses. She asked if Shanann hurt the kids and then did he hurt her? Right. So she offers this. She's possible... like, do you want to say this? That makes you look a little better. Yeah. She starts that offering. Feel good? Him... Yeah. She's like, was it maybe Shanann hurt the kids? And then you had to hurt her. He says, no. At that point, his dad had flown to Colorado. And so he asked to see his dad. He's like, can I just, can I just talk to my dad? Can I just talk to my dad? The police are like, okay. Okay. So they leave. His father comes in. His dad is like rubbing his back. What's going on? And he's like, what's going on, son? What's going on? Finally, Chris Watts, he says, I don't want to protect her anymore. Shanann, Shanann hurt the kids. Right after this woman fed yes, him. Yes, right after. He's like, yeah, that sounds To his dad. Good. He says, Shanann killed the kids and then and then I killed her. And you can see his father, who obviously loved his grandkids, oh just God, like. Of course. Oy, oy, oy. This father. So the police comes in. Does the polygraph lady come back? Yeah. Okay. And he admits, he says, he says, Shanann killed the girls and then I killed her. And they go, where are the girls? Let's make it right. Where are the girls? Tell us where they are. He says he left the bodies at the first work location he went to that day. Shanann was wrapped in something and he put the girls in the oil tank. (gasps) He put his daughters in the oil tank. Yeah. They have a picture of he the put site. his daughters. Three and four. Yeah. You're killing me. Yes. It, I don't want to say it gets worse, but it fucking gets worse. I don't know if I can So they it. took a picture, an aerial view of the work site that he was at. And he goes, is this from today? And there's an S that he drew in the sand where he buried Shanann. And there's a sheet next to it where her body was presumably wrapped. Weird. He's crying. Who gives a shit? Police think he killed the girls and then Shanann came home. Um, And their narrative is that he had this new life that he wanted to start with Nicole. So So he wanted to get rid of the old one. And leave your family. He's immediately arrested. You can be a deadbeat dad instead of a fucking killer, murderer. Ugh. 
August 16th, the next day, they find Shanann's body. When that's confirmed, they have reason to believe that the girls are in the oil tank, so they have to go through the process of recovering their bodies. Oh, my God. Then comes the trial. He's still holding on to this story that Shanann killed the girls, and he killed Shanann as retaliation. Uh Her family is like, no. Fuck no there's no fucking way you see videos of her with her kids and i understand we all present an opinion but like this woman would do anything for those kids there's no fucking way there's no evidence that would say shanann was at all going to hurt her kids at the same time this is when social media started picking up on this story and people started blaming shanann because she was, quote, fucking bossy. And you could see it in these <gasps> videos. Ooh, so people gross. are like, you wore him down. You did this. And her family, Shanann's family, has to come out and say, What are we living stop. in the 50s? That's yes. so crazy. Yes, it's so like, insane. And also, for the record, she's dead. And her two daughters are dead. And you can't blame Chris. You can't blame the person who admitted. That takes admitted victim blaming to leak. Craziest, craziest, and that is degree. the darkest thing I've ever heard. Her you family, were too bossy, totally. So you made your husband murder you and your children. Their thing is, she emasculated him. It sounds like and he, he emasculated himself. It sounds like he did everything himself. Yeah, I don't think he needed any help from anyone to become a total fucking ass clown monster. Totally. It's disgusting. It's vile. Um, and her family has to be like, our family is attacked. Please, like, please stay out of this. We lost our daughter and our grandkids. How could you be attacking any of our family at this moment? Wow. What happened was he pled that he just killed Shanann in a rage of, you know, she had just killed his kids. He ends up pleading guilty in order to not have the death penalty on the table. Mm-hmm. Three months later... It's revealed that right after the incident on August 13th, he called the girls' school to unenroll them. He called a realtor to put the house on sale. Oh, wow. And he texted his girlfriend. All of which, it's amazing to me that, I mean, it was within a couple of days that he admitted to being involved but all this stuff is so fucking damning where immediately after he tech, he calls the girl's school to unenroll them. Fucked. At the sentence hearing, Shanann's mother spoke and it is so fucking sad. His mother spoke and it is so fucking sad. And he doesn't say anything at the trial or the sentencing. No, I don't think anyone wants There's to no hear There's no reason, no him. explanation. He doesn't ever say exactly what happened at the because trial. what would you say? I'm a selfish bastard and I just wanted to do you know this what? and this was the easiest way in my head. If he's pleading fucking guilty, give some fucking peace. But we'll get to that. The judge on the case, he calls it perhaps the most inhumane and vicious crime I have ever handled out of thousands of cases I have seen. He issues five life sentences without the possibility of parole, including 48 years for unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy and 36 years for disposing of the bodies of his family. So he's serving the rest of his life in jail. In February 2019, from prison, he finally told the story of what happened. Oh, just like two years ago. Yeah. So he said she got back that night. They had sex. Then they started talking about their relationship, and he said he wanted to get separated. He said he didn't love her anymore. And apparently he told her about the affair, to which she said, you will never see your kids again. He then killed her, smothered her. He claims she did not fight back. And when her father, when Shanann's father heard this, he said, my daughter is a fighter. He fucking killed her in her sleep. There's no way she didn't fight back. After he killed her, Bella came into the room, asked what was wrong with mommy. So then he wrapped Shanann's body in a bed sheet, backed his car up, put her body in the bottom of like the back seat put his two girls alive in the car, left at five o'clock in the morning, 
took a 45-minute ride to the work location. While he was talking to the police, he kept saying, why did I have to do it? Why did I have to do that? Was, I wish if there was somewhere, I, it's like, couldn't I just save my daughters? Couldn't I save my daughters? And it's like, yeah, you could have. You didn't have to do any of this shit. They get to the work location. The girls are alive. He puts a blanket over Cece's head first, and he kills her. She doesn't know what's happening. She struggles. She dies. He then looks to Bella, and Bella asks what happened to Cece. And that's when he goes and he puts the blanket over her head, and she says, Daddy, no. Oh, my God. And then he kills her. What kind of person could ever do that to any child? let alone their own. That's like co-wizard. I can't. Like, do you know how smart he is? Like how much he's really aware of? And like looking you in the eye and Cole woke up the other night. I was sleeping with him. He woke up the other night and woke me up and I was next to him. He said, Mama. And I said, yeah. He goes, you're going to protect me, right? (laughs) Apropos of nothing. But I was like, Right. And we went back to bed. I, I cannot understand this unless something is actually missing in his brain. I just don't believe you that don't evil believe on that level can operate. Your family. And, and again, like I mentioned, she just posted this like lovely Father's Day message to him. But you just he looking said, at your baby face to face in the eye and he doing didn't have anything to, to harm He didn't him. have to do that. He didn't what have to do any of world? this. The thing what should have happened is, is if he killed Chanel out of rage, own it. Let your kids live. Run. Run. There's Fucking a lot flee. of things Fucking short of anything. There's, there's a lot of things short of killing of killing your children. He then buried Shanann's body and he put the girls at the top of the oil rig and he dropped their bodies into the oil. <gasps> into the oil. It's horrifying. Shanann's parents filed for wrongful death against him. Um, Chris is ordered to pay Shanann's parents $6 million. That's not, he'll never pay that back, but it will prevent him from making any money Mm -hmm. off of this. While in jail, he receives love letters. Oh, grody. From who? From women saying they believe him to be innocent. What? And well how he's not even trying, trying to say he's innocent. Well that apparently they're blaming Shanann. Oh God. Ni- I don't even want to hear about this. Nicole, his girlfriend at the time who he was having an affair with, she received so many death threats that she went into witness protection. What? Because she had the affair with this guy and so people blamed her for it. Uh, I got news for you, people. It's why don't we treat uh, one men, guy's fault? One guy's <laughs> fucking fault. It's not a murder mystery. No. Mm-mm. So quit trying to make it one. And then at the end of the Netflix special, which I think is worth highlighting, it says in America, three women are killed by their partner or ex-partner every day. Partners who murder their children or partner, usually men, and the crime is usually premeditated. I had heard. That he had smothered them at home in their beds. Mm-hmm. And then... They woke up. They woke up and he had to re-kill them. So it wasn't even that he killed his children. Right. It's he, he it killed twice. his children squared. He killed his children and in some miracle was given a second chance. To do the right thing. And then killed them again. It's hard to imagine anything worse than what I read. And... To me, the the daddy know the fact that Bella watched what happened to her sister. <sighs> Honestly, truth be told, the fact of the matter is the only person that genuinely knows what happened is Chris Watts. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to say I'm not inclined to believe him at all about anything. Right. What's so incredibly jarring about it is like he was a, quote, nice guy. There was nothing about him that looked like a monster. That's what makes this case so fucking fascinating is you're like, I, ah, you look at these videos. There's no way, like, even when hearing that he did all these, 
you look at this, there's, you can't compute. Mm -hmm. You can't fucking see it coming. You know, Mm -hmm. give a guy fucking aviator glasses in the center part, new balance sneakers. Great. You got a serial killer. You know, this guy looked like a fucking normal guy who looked like he loved his kids and he fucking killed his family. It's terrifying. Chris Watts. I want Go to fucking hell. Nothing but the worst for you. I hope he is driven crazy by what he did. That's he what I want. He should have to watch home movies of those kids on a loop. They're so cute. Constantly. They're so cute. Carrie, here's the thing. I have a story I've prepared for this week, and I have a story I've prepared for next week. You're always... See, you're in my position now where you get to decide which story you well, want to tell. Well, based on... Here's what happened. One of them is a murder, and one of them is a creepy... I think because this was so dark where we're at right now, I should go with the creepy. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Here's the thing. This is a story that I got from a bustle article that breaks it down really nicely. But then all of the source information is actually a Twitter account. Where, oh, amazing. Yeah. So it's this guy, Adam Ellis. Um, okay. And he, it, all the information I'm about to give you came from his Twitter account. Okay. But Bustle breaks it down in like a, a very digestible way. So this all happened in the summer of 2017, or that's when it started. The first tweet is August 7th, and it says, So my apartment is being haunted by the ghost of a dead child, and he's trying to kill me. He gets to, he cuts to the chase really fast. And that is how you start an essay. (laughs) Yes. So he says, the first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis and saw a child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. He had a huge misshapen head that was sort of dented on one side. And then he, this guy, Adam did a drawing of it. Oh, we got an artist. Okay. Yeah. And then he says that a few nights after this happened, he had a dream that he was in a library and a girl walked up to him and said, you've seen dear David, haven't you? And he goes, who? And she goes, dear David, you saw him. And she's like, he's dead. Actually, he only appears at midnight. And if you ever see him, you can ask him two questions as long as you say, Dear David, first, which is like very so bloody. A random or person comes this up. This is in to his him. dream. Oh. This is a dream. Okay. So he has a dream. He sees this kid with a dented head at the foot of his bed. Then he has a second dream that this girl walks up to him, him in the library and is like, Here's You've met dear David. Here's the how to. Here's the information plan. Yeah. Pamphlet. Here's okay. the instruction manual. You can talk to him. You can ask him two questions. You got to say, dear David, first. Right. It's like a rule. Um, Oh, and major rule. (laughs) This is like the don't feed him after midnight of dear David. Don't ask him a third question, because if you do, he'll kill you. Well, that's a good warning. That should have been first thing. Why are you jumping the gun like that? That seems really aggressive. Fucking chill, dude. Just plead the fifth. You don't need to go around killing people because they ask too many questions. Also be like, what if someone goes, what? Then in his dream, he sees Dear David again. And he says, Dear David, how did you die? And David says, an accident in a store. And he says, so vague. So vague. Which begs (sighs) more questions. Yes. So Adam says, Dear David, what happened in the store? And David says, a shelf was pushed on my head. And he says, who pushed the shelf? No, 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 no. That's a third question. David doesn't answer and he realizes his fatal mistake. And then he wakes up fucking terrified. So the next day he's like Googling, trying to figure out, did a David die in a store? Did a David die in a store in New York City? Did a David, did a David David in a store? His Google complete search, did a David, is (laughs) just fucking Did a David, did a David. (laughs) He can't find anything. Um, So, um... Not too long after this happens, the people that live above him move out. Um, and so he moves into their place. Smart. So David. Get out of the Adam apartment. moves upstairs. Get out um, of the apartment where you were last seen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully David can't find you there. <laughs> I know you're one floor up, but I don't know how. He does feel like he's like, maybe he'll lose track of me. David so, doesn't have very good GPS. 
once he moves upstairs, he nothing happens for a while. But then he notices that for four nights in a row, his cats keep going to his door around midnight, like the mm-hmm. front door, like looking at the door, like expecting something. And cats are freaky as shit. Yeah. Cats so he know. looks through the people and he's like, this is scary. Like he's scaring himself. So he tweets. Dear David found me, I think. I don't know what to do. I'll keep you updated. He ends up taking a picture of the hallway. So, like, what he'll do is he'll take a picture through the peephole. Ooh, creepy. Fun. Which is a fun picture, period. Like, Instagram that. But then he, like, also will take a picture. He, like, opens the door and takes one in the hallway and, like, closes the door. That's really funny. Um... He says it kind of looks like there's something between the banister going up the stairs and the wall. Mm-hmm. And it looks kind of smudgy. Anyway, he's like, whatever. There's nothing in these pictures. <laughs> he deadbolts the door. He goes to bed. A bunch of people on Twitter are like, you know what you should do? You should put like a big salt line. Smart. In the apartment between you and the door. Poor cats are so dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> they Um... He gets this app that basically records, it's like a, those doorbell things. It records, not motion, but if it hears something. Right. Um, really bad on your battery life, but super fun for this experiment. There's 33 recordings that he gets, and there's like three that end up being at all interesting. And I listened to them. One is a sort of snap or step sound. One sounds just kind of like static electricity, which I think is really creepy. It's very like um, poltergeisty. And then the other one's again like a snap or a step. He's going to leave town. He posts a selfie of himself before he leaves. And there happens to be a no. glass panel door behind him. And Twitter, like, blows up because all these people are enhancing the image and they're like, this looks like a face in one of the panels. No, unless he put it in there. It doesn't really, though. Okay. I mean, it's like, it seems you exaggerated to me. You can see anything me. you want to if yes. you look hard enough. But I think maybe that prompts him to be like, let's take some photos. So he gets a Polaroid camera and he takes a bunch of, like, photos around the apartment. One thing that's very weird is that he takes a photo of the hallway. And it develops totally black. Not black like lights out black. Black like malfunction black. Like entirely black. So he takes another and it does the same thing. Then he takes one from far away. So imagine like you open the front door and he takes one like back in his apartment. So you can see the light of his apartment in the hallway is black again? Yes. Like perfect black. How scary is that? That's creepy. That's so scary, right? Also, a reader of the Twitter, like, enhances one of these photos, and you can, like, barely make out what could be a face. Again, depends how much you want to see a face. But if you really want to, you can. It just feels like there, like, might be something lurking right outside. (laughs) And so he, like, sages his apartment, um, goes to bed, and, of course, that night in his dream... David comes back? Doi. No doy. In the dream, there's like fog everywhere in his bedroom and David's in the chair across the room and he's like smaller and shrunken, which sounds... Seven, but I look a lot older. (laughs) (laughs) It's very scary. He's Benjamin buttoning the ghost. The next thread that kind of goes all together starts later that month and he writes, I had a dream where David was dragging me by the arm through an old abandoned warehouse. So he wakes up and he's like totally scared. He takes a shower. He's just thinking about the dream and he looks at his arm and there's a bruise on his arm. Scary. The next day he leaves his apartment to go to breakfast. He does that, I guess, every Saturday. Hashtag blast. And there's a food cart repair shop right by his door. So like when he leaves, he always walks by it and it's always like loud and they're always repairing all these carts. It's like a big warehouse with food carts. Fun. He walks by. It's totally quiet, so he notices that right away. And when he looks inside, it's, like, kind of empty, like, abandoned. On his way home, he can't see back in. They've shut the gate. The next week, his cats start hanging out by the door again. But this time, they're going earlier. They're going more at, like, whatever, like, 10 at night. At 10.30, he starts getting phone calls on his phone from an unmarked number. (laughs) Yeah. And that happens, like, every night. For a while. 
the cats and the phone calls. So finally, he picks up. It feels like up. something Brianna would do, though. If yeah, somebody, Frank, yeah, my sister would do that. <laughs> so finally, he picks up, and it's just static, and then silence, and then breathing. So all the three things you don't want happen. Also, all three things. If I, if if Brianna knew someone who thought they were going to die from a ghost, she would for sure do that. You're right, right, though? You're right. Anyone You're right. would. If, and he's on Twitter and doing this, I bet there's somebody that was able to get his phone number and do shitty things like that. I'm sorry. I'm just already poking holes because it's scary. It is scary. <laughs> Way to get scarier because after the silence, he, he hears hello. But he doesn't hear hello like um, hello. He hears hello like statement hello. Like hello. Which is creepier. Worse. <laughs> you like people to be unsure of themselves with their hello? hellos. Yeah, the more hello. unsure, the better. But a very confident You hello must love this podcast. Is terrifying. <laughs> 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 okay, so he buys a pet cam. Which is like a, yeah, you know, know what, what that is, I right? know what a pet cam is. I know what a compound word is, and I know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> pet plus cam well, seems so pretty he obvious actually legit needs what a pet cam Because he's going to have people coming to feed the cat, but he's also, he's going to Japan. So he also took the David rocking chair out of his room, probably because it was scaring him, and put it in yeah, the living room. Makes sense. Um, but he ends up catching on the pet cam, the green chair in the living room rocking. <laughs> He gets another alert, and he finds footage of this turtle shell he's hung, like, decoratively on the wall, falling off the wall at random. Which, by the way... Just hang it better. Don't hang a turtle shell on your wall. Um, If you're looking for... If you came to this podcast for... That's, like, weird hippie stuff I don't like. If you came to this podcast for um, interior design advice, this is your kernel of knowledge. Don't hang a turtle shell on the wall. What you can hang is a horse... Shoe shoe crab shell Back on off. the wall. I love horseshoe crabs. I know you do. They're, They're really bl- pretty. Their Quinn blood like... is blue, <laughs> and it heals people. It heals people. Yes, it's healing. I didn't know that. It's magic. All I know is Quinn is saying that. What's funny is Quinn saying, "Don't put a turtle shell crab on the wall." If you there's like skulls and stuff on her wall, it just feels a little. I do bit... have a beaver skull on my wall. I do have a horseshoe crab on my wall. This is what I'm saying. It's a little incongruous incongruous i think it's too hippie to do a turtle shell turtle shell feels like that's someone's home (laughs) (laughs) don't don't hang a home on your wall (laughs) don't hang a home in your home don't hang a home in your home horseshoe crab exoskeleton beaver skull skeleton different russian doll your house don't put a home in a home I won't do it. So you don't have dollhouses and I won't put turtle shells. Correct. It's a home. All right. So. <laughs> shells? Nope. The video also gets the cats batting at things that aren't there. Also, there's like a glass jar on a coffee table that moves on its own. There's all this crazy stuff. There's a little cactus that falls, which was near where the turtle shell was. The next week he gets um a he has another really scary nightmare where there's a head next to him in his bed (gasps) and the head is smiling at him and he goes, what happened to you? And the head goes, it feels great. And then he wakes up. Isn't that scary? I mean, scary, but also happy that someone after death isn't totally scared. You know, glad to know that it feels great. Yeah, that's one way to look at it. So he goes back on another walk by that weird warehouse and he snaps a photo through the window of the warehouse because I think he hears a noise or something. And in the photo is just like garbage and stuff. But obviously, again, the Internet goes to town on the photo and is like, David's in here. And they're like enhancing, enhancing the brightness. Enhance, enhance, enhance. And it looks like there's a figure with a dent in their head. Like a figure Do you and... See, can you see it? Do you... Does it look I like I couldn't it? really see it. Right. I could see it if I had to, but I... The power of suggestion is really powerful. Right. He also, like, in Japan, sees a statue that looks like... David? Yeah. And he Wild. takes a picture and posts it and is like, isn't this creepy? It looks like David. And that is kind of creepy. But again, it's like you said, when you're looking for things, you see things. Um, and he, when he gets home, there's all these electric issues in his house. There's like bulbs burning out and whatever. He hears a noise outside his apartment, takes another picture, posts it. And people are like, I see a figure that looks like the figure you posted of your travels How in Japan. How long has this Twitter thread been going on? A few months, it's like the end of summer. I mean, you know, this started in August. It's like um, October now. By the August 2020? 
Seventeen. Twenty seventeen, thank you. Yeah, it's it's like October now. His friend cleanses the place for him. Whatever. Nothing happens for a few weeks. He goes on another walk. This was creepy. He walked by that warehouse and saw a hearse inside and post a picture of that. And is like, this is weird. This feels like a message. On the evening of October twenty fifth, he's going into the kitchen and he sees out the window a person standing on the roof opposite his apartment staring at him and it scares the shit out of him and he takes a photo and that photo is pretty scary the next time he says anything is november 6th about this and he says that he had another dream and he's lying in bed and david's in the chair again and he can move his hands, but otherwise he kind of is having like dream paralysis or whatever. So David starts to go toward him. Adam grabs his phone and starts to take pictures. And he wakes up as David gets to the bed and starts to crawl up it. <gasps> oh, no, 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 no. Adam no. wakes up. No. Looks at the roll on his fucking phone, the the camera roll, and there's a bunch of photos, and they're so scary. Like, when you brighten them, it's not like the other photos I told you about where you're like, if you want to see something, you see it. You can see a small boy with a dented head getting closer and closer in each photo. No. How fucking scary is that? No. It's so scary. The pictures are terrifying. I want you to send it to me. Oh, you you don't want to see these pictures. So there's a mysterious hatch in his hallway of his building that, like, can't... Okay, here's what he figured out. It can't lead... The way the building is constructed, it can't lead to the roof because it's, like, three feet below the roof. Right. So he's like, where does it go? It's, like, just a crawl space and he hears crashes and stuff coming from it so he gets it open and an old timey leather shoe falls out a little kid shoe oh and he calls the landlord and is like ah! and the landlord comes over and looks in the crawl space and is like there's nothing in there there's nothing in there and, oh except like a marble and like finds an antique marble and it's green which people like are like it's green just like the chair is green and the turtle shell is green and the cactus is green. And I don't know if green's right. a theme, but I think that's reaching. A bunch of people are following this on Twitter and doing their own research. And they're like, we think maybe we figured out who he is. There's this murder victim from 1921 that was called Little Lord Fauntleroy, which is an amazing name. <laughs> um, he was between the ages of five and seven and he died in a pond near a quarry in Wisconsin, but he did die of being struck on the head with a blunt object of some sort in the murder. It's like a murder mystery a little bit, what happened. So, like, maybe he's haunting you. Right. Anyway, he keeps having nightmares. He keeps waking up feeling like he's being watched. Mm. He downloads another app, thank God for apps, and it takes photos every 60 seconds. And he puts it on his bookcase, and he leaves the light on and because he, he's scared and he goes to bed. And then in the morning, he checks. And I'm telling you, these pictures, <laughs> it's so scary. There's a photo of, like, David watching him sleep. No. Like, just watching him sleep. No. And, okay, the first one, he's, like, looking at him sleep. Then he's looking at the ceiling. Then he, like, sits down on the couch. Then you don't see him. He, like, disappears. Then he's right by the bed. No. Then he stands on the bed next to him. Then he looks like he's looking right at the camera. Then in the final one, he's so close to the camera that it's only part of his head. These can all be photoshopped if I have to remind myself. I'll show you the pictures are so scary. Okay, so... Adam Ellis Fuck goes home when I for the holidays. That. I really hate it. So Adam Ellis goes home. He's like, wants a, maybe a break from the scariest thing that's ever <laughs> happened to anybody in their whole break. life. <laughs> maybe he wants to just a little teeny tiny break. But mm-hmm. David follows him, he says. 
he starts to feel weird. He's in Montana visiting his folks and he keeps feeling like something's like lurking outside the bathroom window. And he finds kid-sized footprints in the snow. He tries to take pictures. He doesn't get anything. But then he has a really bad dream again. David is hovering over him and he's in his bed and his mouth is moving faster than it should be, which is already just like super scary. He can't move. And then he feels himself like falling and he feels pressure on his chest and he wakes up and he looks around, looks around. And his camera does catch an image that sort of looks like a blurry image of David falling onto him. The thread starts again the evening of Tuesday, January 16th. And Adam Ellis is like, okay, everybody, like things have been better than they had been previously. I've been sleeping better, but I have started to lose time periodically. Like I'll look up at the clock and be like, whoa, I can't account for the last hour. He also went to brunch with a friend and he posts photos On his Instagram story, Mm -hmm. he later gets, like, all these notifications on his phone, which are people being like, what's going on with your story? What's going on with your Instagram story? It's weird. And he looks at it, and the photo looks like one of those, like, face melts. Like, his face looks like it's fading into a different kind of face. Like, it's, like, creepy looking. His face looks really creepy in it. And people people are like, it looks like your face mixed with... David. Right. Right. But it doesn't really. But it just, but it does look really... It looks weird. Oh, to me, it didn't. But it looked really creepy. The question is, what's going on, right? Totally. Morning of January 28th, there's a video that appears on Adam's Twitter feed. And in it, his cat, Maxwell, is sitting in front of the front door. And he's meowing for a while. And then at the end of the video, he turns and looks at the video camera. And he just keeps meowing. And then the video ends. But I guess, like, people were creeped because, like, it felt like it didn't have, like, commentary on what it was. And it was taken from really low. So it was, like, is David, like, holding the phone was the idea, I think. The fact that there's no thread accompanying the video, it's just posted. It's just, like, it's not how Adam usually, like, he doesn't do that. And then they say if you freeze the video on the last frame and enhance the contrast, it looks like David's face on the cat's face or something. I didn't do that or see that. Anyway, everyone is basically like... Is Adam okay? Is David doing something to Adam? Yeah. So his next update on Twitter says, everything is fine. All lowercase with an extra space. Which, it just looks weird. And it's not, like, his style. Ooh, 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 what's happening? Tell me, tell me, tell right, me. Right, right, Okay. I'm just excited. I don't know what's happening. What I think what I think they're alluding to with the everything is fine is, like, did Adam really write that? Yeah, that's um, what it sounds like. It just sounds like something's... Adam works for BuzzFeed, and a few days later he posts that he's leaving his job there. And he says in the post, I'm nervous about what the future holds, but I feel good. I know big things are coming. And again, in this post, there's an extra space, which he's never done before except the last two posts, or like an extra space bar. So we don't feel good. On February 13th, he posts, please don't worry about me. I'm okay, and everything will be fine like it was before. And it's, um, what do you call those smiley faces that it's... An emoticon? An emoji? Yeah, not an emoji, but it's an the, emoticon, an I emoticon think like, yeah. smiley face, which is like sort of, it doesn't feel like him. Like, totally. it's all lowercase again. It feels so again, strange and, yeah. And it doesn't, yeah, it's not how he writes stuff. It's like very odd. And then there's another video post of a cat from a low angle and then a month goes by and there's nothing. Where the fuck is Adam? Where's Adam And how did David, a child of the 1920s, learn how to type? (laughs) They had typewriters, Gwen. Don't be so obtuse. Okay. (laughs) Well, finally, after a month, Adam Ellis tweets, I'm fine. Things have just been quiet. And it seems like his Twitter feed actually just goes back to normal and is unconnected to this whole story. On June 6th, (gasps) the rap, which is like... Another publication. Says... There's a Dear David movie in the works. And Adam Ellis tweets, some Dear David news. 
Dan Lin, producer of It, will be producing a Dear David film with screenwriter Mike Van Wace, who's the writer of The Conjuring spinoff The Crooked Man, attached somehow to the project. And he says, he tells the rap that what he's been experiencing is absolutely real. But there is going to be a movie. What do you think? I don't like how he left it. I don't like how it's been left. I don't like that there's no... Well, do you think he was possessed? Do you think that... Do you think that David is making a movie about himself through Mm -hmm. Adam Ellis? David seems like a pretty narcissistic little guy. Careful what you say. Don't ask him a third question. Don't ask him a third question. The thing is, Adam Ellis didn't die. He didn't die. But did he get possessed by David? I want to see these pictures. I just can't imagine. Okay, I'm going to show you the pictures because I actually do want your reaction. Okay, I'm going to show you him standing... In Just Adam's show me, room. Show me the beast. Here's him show standing. Me the beast. Here's him standing in Adam's room. Oh my gosh. Okay. Ooh. Not good, right? Very scary. Huh. But doesn't look like a real person either. No. Pass it back to me. Let me find another really scary one. That picture is scary. Ooh, Adam Ellis. He's hot. Yeah. Adam, I'm into the story. Come be a guest. <laughs> give me a call. Give me, get, get, give give me, me a ring. call. Give me a ring-a-ding-ding. I and think a I'm going to have to go back through all his, like, uh, Twitter to find these pictures, but... Wow. I'm Listen, uh, he works for BuzzFeed. That makes me skeptical. Why? Because he works in the media. He knows how to photoshop. He... Uh, Look, there's dear David watching him sleep. Dear David, watching you sleep. David can't. God, this guy's hot. (laughs) (laughs) That's who I'm looking at. (laughs) David. All right. Well, that's the story of Dear David, and I hope you enjoyed it because whether it's true or not, it's fun. Story. It's fun. It's It's so fun. It's fun. So fun. Dear readers, do you have anything else you want to say in closing? (laughs) No. 